Blog Talk Radio. Yes, we are. Talladega Super Speedway with cars that go real fast this weekend. Oh, what a weekend it should be. The elimination race of round two of the Chase the NASCAR Sprint Cup. It's talking in circles here. Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow. It should be an unbelievable week after a week at Kansas that was really, really crazy. He saw Kevin Harvick win his 35th career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series victory. Uh, it's absolutely great day by Harvick. When he needed to win a race, he went out there and he did it. Uh, we've seen this from Harvick in the past. He's the only driver in this format to make the Final Four uh, in both years. Goes out, does it again, John Harlow, or moves to, to the next round, excuse me, the round of eight. When he needed a win, he went out and got it. A big win for Kevin Harvick at Kansas. And he and Jimmy Johnson, who won at uh, Charlotte the week before, can have an easy ride here at Talladega Super Speedway. Well, they could have an easy ride, but in reality, I think they have work to do. Um, Hendrick Motorsports wants to get Chase Elliott the chase. Jimmy Johnson's job on Sunday will be to push Chase Elliott. Stuart Haas Racing wants to get Kurt Busch into the round of eight. Kevin Harvick's job is going to be to push Kurt Busch and try to get him into the round of eight. Talladega is the one you throw out the window because these cars are only built for Talladega anyhow at Daytona, so they're pretty much done for the year. So if it comes back on a wrecker for Johnson or Harvick, it doesn't matter. They go to the next round. You can almost guarantee Harvick makes a round of four because of how strong he continues to be at Phoenix. That's almost a lock. You can almost put Harvick into the final four, and we'll see where it goes from there. But everybody else other than Harvick and Jimmy Johnson are on pins and needles because if you remember two years ago, Kyle Busch was in second place, running around in the back, got caught up in the mess, and didn't go to the next round. Hey, this is what makes Kansas so important, in my opinion, is the fact that Talladega is next. And like, like we talked about before, the unpredictability of that place is unbelievable. You know, you could be riding around in fifth, have something go wrong in front of you or next to you, and you get caught up into a wreck. That's not any of your doing, which made which made uh, Kansas really important. Harvick had some problems at Charlotte. You remember a, a freak deal where they weren't sure really what happened to the four car. So he had some issues there, and he really needed to come out to Kansas and have a good run because of the unpredictability of Talladega. And he had to win that race. Uh, he, to win that race shows what this team is made of, in my opinion, how great that team is. Carl Edwards had a good run. He finished in the second spot. The race early on was dominated by Matt Kenseth. And I thought these Toyotas in general, even uh, Kyle Busch um, and, and Martin Truex Jr. as well, these Toyotas were very, very good early on in the race. But about halfway through, it got a little hot. The race track got a little bit slick, and it seemed like these Toyotas weren't nearly as strong as they were. Kenseth really fell off, fell back to ninth. Yet that's where he ended up. But 116 laps early on in that event, though, uh, and that kind of changed the way things the way things went. And it just shows you again, you know, uh, uh, Hendrick Motorsports engines and chassis and Kevin Harvick's car to go out there and really uh, win is an impressive statement for that group. Jimmy Johnson ran pretty good. Alex Bowman in the, in the 88 car had a really good good race. He finished in the seventh spot. 
Casey Kane ended up 10th, and he ran in the top 10 all day. So it shows you Hendrick Motorsports is kind of figuring it out a little bit here, I think. And the fact that I thought it was very curious that as the race went on, uh, that Joe Gibbs Racing, who usually are dynamite with adjustments, could not figure out a way to adjust their race cars to get them to where they needed to be. And that ended up ultimately in one of those cars losing the race. And Kenza basically said that for some reason they lost it during the race and that they were lucky to finish in the top 10 where they did because he said he felt like he was on top of the track. And the funny part is it wasn't just the Toyotas. I mean, because, of course, I'm a Stewart fan, so I'm going to pay attention to what Smoke does. He was moving toward the front at the beginning of the race. And when it got hot, he kept saying he felt like he was on top of the track. It wound up dropping back into the mid-teens. So it wasn't just the Toyota cars. Stewart, who is the king of the hot track, when it got heated up, he wound up drifting back because they couldn't get the car into the track. And it seemed like that was something going on throughout the field. I mean, it wasn't just Kenseth. I mean, the one where I was surprised about, the final pit stop, where Kyle Busch took four, and he came out in fifth place, the first four cars stayed out. And Kyle Busch drove up to second, was battling Carl Edwards for second. And just for those battles for those five laps, it gave Harvick room enough to get away. And Kyle Busch never got around Carl Edwards with fresh rubber. Yeah, it is crazy because there was a lot of flack about that. And I, I, I want your opinion. I was just going to bring that up next. About that whole situation, obviously we know clean air is king in this sport. It has been for the last four or five years with the aerodynamics that we see in this sport on a weekly basis, especially in the mile and a half tracks. Um, you know, and, and Kyle seemed very annoyed. During, he made some uh, comments on, during the race on his radio about how he was annoyed, how his teammate ran him so hard. And even after the race, he seemed annoyed, which I give Kyle credit. I always kind of give him the benefit of the doubt because I feel like he's a very passionate race car driver, wears his emotions on the sleeve. And a lot of guys don't do that anymore. Um, he's a guy who I think uh, is very passionate. So I can understand him being frustrated. He wants to win every race he, he goes out there and races. And you can understand that and you have to respect that. But I thought the, the fans saying that they should let each other – or one, one driver should let the other one go, team racing, I thought that was ridiculous in my opinion because these guys are paid to race. And, and I've never seen a driver – if Kyle Busch is in third, I've never seen a driver – go from first from third to first by passing only one car. You're going to have to get second to get to the lead. So, yeah, you're going to run hard for second. That's the only thing that makes sense to do. I thought that that was kind of dumb how a lot of fans at the end of the race were saying, well, they should let each other go there. Their race car drivers are paid to race, and they raced at the end of that race. And that's what they're supposed to do. I can understand Kyle's frustration, but at the end of the day, he just wasn't good enough to win the race. The frustration of Kyle Busch is understandable. The frustration of Carl Edwards was understandable, too. Carl Edwards was doing everything he could to win the race because, as we said with Harvick, he needed to win or he needed to get out of trouble. So Talladega was just a another parade race for him. Carl Edwards wanted to win that race so he could ride around the back in Talladega and not worry about getting wrecked or anything. Kyle Busch wanted to win that race, so Talladega did not influence his chances of making the round of eight. And that's what you want your racers to do. The one thing I was happy about with Kyle, and some of the media killed him because he did it, is after the race, he just walked away, 
He was ticked off. He was mad that his teammate didn't give him uh, more room whenever they were trying to race for second. But Carl Edwards is trying to do what he was doing for his team at the end. Of, I mean, overall, they work for Joe Gibbs. But Carl Edwards has to please Aris, Xfinity, and whoever's on the car that week. Kyle Busch has to please M&M's, Interstate Batteries, and whoever's on the car that week. They're driving for their sponsors. And if you're Joe Gibbs, how do you go back to M&M's and say, well, I told Kyle to, uh, told Kyle to let Carl go? That's not good. The sponsors want them to be independent teams when it comes onto the racetrack. And if it's a matter of winning or losing, the sponsor wants to be in victory lane. They don't want to be the one sitting there, well, we had a great race, but we just didn't have enough and our teammates needed it, so we let them have it. 917-889-8280 if you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles. Clayton Caldwell with Speedway Media's John Harlow here on Talking in Circles. Yeah, no, I thought that whole ordeal was kind of ridiculous uh, with how everybody talked about that so much. A couple of guys in the chase uh, had some trouble. Brad Kozlowski on pit road, uh, had some issues on pit road, then uh, lost control of his number two car, spun through the grass. Uh, it dropped in the finished in the 38th position. He's now seven points out of the chase. Chase Elliott also had some issues, tire issues while he was leading. Uh, he ended up 31st, three laps down. Uh, they need to have some good weekends going to the chase, going to Talladega here. They need to have a really good weekend uh, in order for them to really um, make this chase because Chase Elliott's had a good year this year, but the one thing he hasn't done yet is win a race. Brad Keselowski has been really, really, really good at Talladega Super Speedway in his career. Uh, he's won a lot of races there. He won his first race there, if you remember, back driving for James Finch back in the day. Um, you know, there was some controversy in that race, but he won that race to get into the chase. So a couple of guys there uh, on the chase, John, uh, that, that need to have a good weekend, Chase Elliott and uh, Brad Keselowski have, have, after having tough weekends at Kansas Speedway. Chase is the point where he almost has to win the race to get a shot at getting into the round of eight. Um, Keselowski, he's right now still in, and him and Logano are two that run really well in the trick plate lately. And I think those two guys, if they stay out of trouble, and then again, it's the way Talladega is. Nobody knows if you're going to stay out of trouble. You don't know when it's going to happen. And the other part to add into the fun of this week, you've got some people who've never been in a cup car. Ryan Reed is going to try his first race for Jack Roush. Granted, he won the Xfinity race at Daytona two years ago, but that's because everybody piled up in front of him and he weaved his way through the mess. He's not that experienced, not that great in Xfinity yet. He could be a chicane in the way of everything, or he could be the one that causes the big one. Those are things you don't know. And you've got these cars who a lot of times are in the back of the field who, because of the way the plate races go, you get sucked up. You don't really have much of a choice to be in the pile. And one slight mistake, everybody's out. And you don't know. And these guys are going to be up there running toward the front, who normally you don't see from. You don't see Michael McDowell up there on a regular basis. You don't see uh, David Reagan up there on a regular basis. David Reagan runs decent on restrictor plates. 
but you're not going to see it. Jeffrey Earnhardt's going to run the 83 car, his first time in a restrictor plate. The cars get sucked up. They get automatically put into a big pile because that's the way the racing's built. And one small mistake for someone who's not used to being there could ruin somebody's chase. And I wouldn't want to be the guy that did that. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's going to, it's like Talladega so crazy here. I'm talking, you know, going to the chase and making it an elimination race in the chase. They're moving that race next year. And that should be very interesting. But first off, we have a caller here, John. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Thanks for waiting. Ryan from Virginia. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? What do you want to talk about tonight? Well, let's, let's go ahead and just start with anything that can happen at Talladega. There's a lot of storylines for this particular race, and, and y'all were just talking about the drivers that need to make it in and uh, some of the not really so-called field, field fillers that could cause controversy in this race. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, and, and there are some there are some drivers who really, um, you know, like like John said, you know, Ryan Reed, you know, who's who's in very good stuff, and he does okay in the play tracks for sure, and that's what makes it so interesting. Though, I mean, it's just you're at everybody's beck and call here, really. Um, I think at Talladega Super Speedway, you know, somebody put it perfectly on, on the radio this week. I think, you know, your car is always good in a draft. You know, you might not. Uh, have a good single car speed, but it seems like everybody's always good in the draft. And listen, I think with the way this racing has been lately, I think everybody's going to try and run really hard here because you want to stay up front. You can't afford to fall to the back. The only two drivers I see that are big name drivers hanging out in the back are Harvick and Jimmy Johnson because I think it's going to be crazy, especially in the opening segments, to get to where you want it to be. Uh, and I, I truly believe that. I think it's going to be a little bit crazy, and maybe in the middle will be a little bit of a lull. But everybody wants to kind of get to the front, see how their car is. Uh, Hamlin's not that big of an issue at Talladega like we've seen in Daytona in the past because of the wide turns, big racetrack, wide everything, really. Uh, so Hamlin, you know, if you're three wide, it can go three wide pretty easily at Talladega Super Speedway in the corners. Where, Tal- where Daytona, it's a little bit more crunched. Uh, and you can make it even four wide. It's not recommended to make it four wide at Talladega, but you could do it. Where Daytona, it's a disaster if you make it four wide. Um, but I think that's all. All of it's got a lot to do with that. You can move these cars move around a little bit more at Talladega because of the room they have. So that's why I think handling is not as big of an issue, and it makes it exciting. It makes it entertaining to watch. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch on Sunday. I, totally I just agree with picture, all that. You got some other. Um, you know, I just picture the Tony. Remember the Tony Stewart interview from a few years ago where he said he, he apologized to the fans because they didn't wreck half the cars. They think they should extend the race till they get 50% of the cars wrecked. I can yes. see that again this week. Because yeah, no doubt. There are a lot of people whose chase race, I mean, their chase future is on the line, whether they make the top or not. There's a lot of cars in there who are hoping like heck for some sort of piece of brightness. You got the Biffles, who's not even sure if he's going to keep going because – Ralph Fenway has struggled this year. You got the Stenhouses mm-hmm. who want this first race, and they can they get up there and they can taste it, and they think they have oh, a yeah. shot. You got the Casey Mears who's driving for his future because the rumors are that he may be out of the thirteen car, so he might be trying to say, "Hey, look, look at me, I can race." David Gillen, who's only been in a couple cars a couple times this year, he's going to run the race in the thirty-five for Front Row Motorsports. He's going to say, hey, look, I can look at me. I can still drive. Pick me and put me in your car next year. So there are guys who are 
fighting to get jobs next year who may push that extra moment because what's the difference between 19th and 22nd place year-end finish? Not a whole heck of a lot. Right. What's the difference between 34th and 36th? But if I can get my car in victory lane, I may end up getting a better ride next year, maybe get some sort of funding for next year. This could be the race that determines their next season. So these guys are going to be running balls to the wall. You've got other guys running balls to the wall because their chase futures in it. That has a recipe for disaster, and we could end up with the 20 cars that are piled up and Stewart laughing at the end of the day saying, hey, we finally did it. We got half the car, half the field wrecked, so we should be okay. Everybody will be looking forward to coming to Talladega next year. Yeah, and you have to wonder about strategy for some of these guys. Uh, you know, for example, Joe Logano, he is tied with Austin Dillon, who had a really good run at Kansas. I was very impressed with Austin Dillon. He needed to have a good run, went out and did it, finished sixth. Uh, went out, they are right now tied in points, him and Austin Dillon. Uh, I think Logano's got the tiebreaker right now because of where they better finish at Kansas. But, uh, you know, either one of those guys need to have a good weekend at Talladega. So it should be interesting to see Hamlin also behind them. We mentioned Brad Kozlowski and Chase Elliott earlier in the show. Um, all these guys, those handful of guys, really, it's going to be really interesting, Ryan, to see where their strategy is, what their strategy is going to Talladega Super Speedway before uh, we move on here. Exactly. We have so many different people on so many different strategies, like John was mentioning over there. You have you have Ralph Finley who are, who is really 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 hungry for a win, and we know Trevor Bain is is pretty decent at sort of play racetrack. He he usually has some pretty good finishes there compared to everywhere else in the schedule, such as come the Cup. And like you mentioned, Ricky Stenhouse, once he gets up there running second or fifth or something like that, he's going he's going to try to make something happen. Greg Biffle, you know, he needs a he don't know if he wants to keep racing, and he is also racing for his future too in that case as well. And then you got Front Row Motorsports of Landon Castle, who we know is really good at restricted plates. You got Chris Busher. Who was also looking for another win, especially with Love's travel stops on the car, and that's one of their big sponsors. That that may give him a more races next year with that sponsor, or maybe you know another team, whoever whoever they decide to go with. You got the premium motorsports cars with, with Colwood and Reed Sorensen. You know they've mm-hmm. they had that they are their backmarkers. They could easily be up there in the fray. You know you got Finn Levain racing with, with McDowell, who has historically been pretty good on these racetracks. And then, like you mentioned, you got drivers like Ryan Newman who's already fallen out of the chase. you got Paul Menor, who never made the chase. You know, they can make something happen. You, For sure. You know, you got Mick Murray, who's also already out. you got the Team Penske cars, who are both out right now. They both know how to win at Talladega. Then you got Johnson and Harvard. They're probably going to, like y'all said, rest back there in the back. But you never know. They may try to go up there and steal that win away. Then you got you know, drivers like Chris, who wants another win. Yeah, Chase Elliott as well. You know, the Casey Kane is also another one hungry for a win. Then you got Alex Bowman right. driving the 88. He's another big one in Michigan. He's going to be in good equipment. He's going to be pretty fast too, I bet. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. And it's, that's what makes Talladega so interesting. I think that uh, everybody's on sort of a different strategy. Uh, you know, it's not just as far as winning. I think everybody has a different way to get to the front. Okay, guys, there was a lot of news this week. Uh, it seemed like a very, very, very dull season for silly season news. And all of a sudden this week it just seemed like wow, one news after one piece of news after the next after the next. Uh, the biggest part of this news is gonna be, there's going to be a press conference tomorrow where we're going to figure this out. Um, basically, we're going to figure this out concrete or not tomorrow with Casey Mears. Casey Mears driving the number 13 car sounds like uh, maybe Ty Dillon might move there to number 13 car in 2017. I know he was on with Jim Noble on SiriusXM's trading paint this week. He asked Mike Dillon 
who's uh, general manager at Richard Childress Racing, about Ty running number 13 car, to which Mike Dillon said, quote, no comment to. Um, it sounds like Tommy Baldwin Racing may sell one of their charters to Levine Family Racing, who currently fields a car for the number 95 team for Michael McDowell. Uh, they have a charter, guys, which, I, this, which, is, which was misreported on Fox. They have a charter, Levine Family Racing, which means they're either going to go to two cars or what I heard this after this morning, which I read, that uh, another team might break off of that, Hillman Racing, which I believe was part of that organization, well, might break off and, and get a charter or something to that nature. Circle Sport, excuse me, might break off of that Levine Family Racing. They might, it might be Levine Family Racing in the 95, and Circle Sport will get number 33 and get their charter back, which they had the charter originally, Circle Sport Racing. I know it's very, very confusing. Uh, it sounds like... Mears is going to go to the 95, and whoever drives the 33, whether that's Michael McDowell or not, or they hire somebody else, who knows? I know it's all very confusing, but basically what you need to know is it sounds like Tommy Baldwin Racing is selling, selling, and they're going to be shutting down. Um, Michael McDowell might be out of a ride. Casey Mears is going to be driving next year, whether it's probably the 95 car, and it sounds like Ty Dillon's going to the 13 car. Uh, John Harlow, I know it's a lot to dissect, it's a lot to take in, it's craziness. Uh, but it's NASCAR 2016. What do you expect, I guess? What are your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, the interesting part for me is the fact that Levine Family Racing bought the charter from Tommy Baldwin for the second car there. I would have thought if anybody would have bought the charter, it would have been either the Wood Brothers or Furniture Row for the 77 car. That's where I thought if there was a charter that was flawed, I thought that's where it would go. Um, I think it's pretty interesting. There's a lot of backmarker silly season mess. I mean, Casey Mears is 28th in the points, and he's going to go to Levine Family Racing. And Levine Family Racing was combined with Circle Sports so they could get Ty Dillon in a cup car for part of the year, and Michael McDowell could still run part of the year the way they were doing it in the past. Because Levine Family Racing was only running 20 races a year. They finally did the full season because they got some of the backing that Childers brought with uh, Ty Dillon. I think Ty Dillon is 13 would be interesting because, I mean, if Caterpillar didn't want Ty Dillon in the 31, which obviously didn't, they didn't because Newman's still in that car. Correct. Why does Geico want him? I don't think Ty Dillon's the perfect spokesperson for Geico. I well, think Casey Mears isn't anything special to write home about either, but Geico, pretty big sponsor. You'd think mm-hmm. they might want to jump to the 14 car, which needs sponsorship for next year. They might want yeah. to jump to a fourth Richard Childress racing car or go to Newman and get somebody else to sponsor Ty Dillon. Well, and I they still have that... the one big sponsor that hasn't come back yet that everybody keeps thinking will. Is Aaron sitting out there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, as far as the Geico deal goes, John, I think this Jermaine Racing 13 car next year is going to be what we see from Furniture Racing in the 78 this year with Joe Gibbs Racing. I think it's going to be a satellite team, but they're going to get way more support than they do from Richard Childress because it's Ty Dillon driving that car. And I think that's what's in it for Geico. Hey, we're, it's going to be basically an RCR car, guys. You have to understand that, and oh well, we'll never, you'll be more likely to get the victory lane than not. Casey Mears has a long-term contract, get a long-term contract with Geico. Now, I heard rumors that Geico might go with Casey Mears. 
I don't buy it. I, I don't buy it. I don't think Geico goes with Casey Mears. I think Geico's going to stay up at Jermaine Racing with Ty Dillon. But I think they're going to get, like I said, I think they're going to get way more support from Richard Childress Racing than they did last year with Casey Mears. Um, and as far as Casey Mears goes, you've got a decent ride. They're still going to get RCR support. Um, you know, they, they, have, they might have thriving financials with sponsorship in that 95 team. They might like Casey Mears, who's got a, big, a little bit more bigger of a resume than Michael McDowell, um, and a guy who's there and can do a solid job for him. Um, but, again, this is all speculation. We don't know the, the actual facts just yet, but that's what it sounds like, guys. And, and as far as Tommy Baldwin Racing goes, Ryan, before I give you your take here, uh, it's kind of a sad deal. You know, he made some interesting comments, I thought, by saying that he thought he would be better off if you told him eight years ago when he first started his team that he wouldn't be much better than where he is now, that where he was when he first started, eight years later, he would have told he would have laughed at you. And that's where he is right now. It just shows you the kind of uh, where the sport's gone engineering-wise, where the sport's gone money-wise, and how the big teams have really have a stranglehold. And it's so, so hard for a new owner to come in, uh, especially a guy like Tommy Baldwin who dedicated his life to racing, who was a former crew chief, who doesn't have a billion-dollar uh, company behind him like what some of these other owners do now. Uh, it just shows you how hard it is to compete right now. Absolutely, and I really feel bad for Tommy Baldwin overall because, like, like he said in that uh, in, in the article that I read about it, he really thought he was going to be a much better player and really thought that he would have more speed this year, especially with Regan Smith driving. And Regan Smith, you know, let's face it, that, that's the best driver that Tommy has had to, to drive for him so far. I'm not taking anything away from Reese Sorensen or Dave Blaney or anything like that, but Dave Blaney, you know, he's pretty much a sprint car legend, and now his son is trying to make himself a legendary career in NASCAR. Whether he will or not, you know, is another story, but Dave only has one Xfinity Series win in his whole NASCAR career. You know, uh, his best shining moment, even with that win, is when they almost stole the 2012 Daytona 500 with Tommy Baldwin racing yeah. and Golden Corral back when they had the 36. That's still Tommy mm-hmm. Baldwin racing's most shining moment there. And Golden Corral, you know, is a big part of that. So is Dave Blaney. And yet, here's Tommy Baldwin, like you said, eight years later. The race teams, everybody expected so much more. He was able to get the number seven, which is a very personal number for him back to the modified days of him and his dad. And he's still struggling to find sponsorship from week to week. And Regan Smith is a proven winner in Xfinity and in Cup Series. Even though he has one win in the Cup Series, he's won several races for Junior Motorsports in Xfinity Series. Right. There was a whole lot of hope right there, and Golden Corral came back, and they got some other uh, decently named sponsors too. But other than that, they haven't gone anywhere. But at the same time, you know, when you look at the other side of the spectrum, it's not really a huge shock that his team hasn't gone nowhere. Not because of the equipment or any business decision. It's just that's just NASCAR these days. I mean, look at look how long Jay mm-hmm. Robinson has been the only team in NASCAR. I mean, you know, and Mike Miller, he's me he stayed in the truck series. You know, he's branched off a few times in the uh, back in the old Bush series days, but never really went anywhere there. But he's still around doing nothing but uh, trying to help young young drivers get started. Tommy Baldwin could yeah, still, and- still back and go to the truck series. You know, he could probably have a pretty decent success down there. It'll cost him half the money, and he could probably get a good young driver or even form with another team. You know, maybe he could or help out. Even, you know, teams. Good. Yeah, maybe even in the well, the one thing when you look, we'll, we'll touch on later. When you look like, at Tommy Baldwin tried to do, when Tommy Baldwin ahead, tried to do this, and especially this year, when the charter system was supposed to make it all better. <laughs> and here you go, you got your first charter guy looking to give it up because he's struggling to make it. And he's not the only one, The other John. part is, what's that? 
He's not the only oh, one. Yeah. That's looking he's at sell. It's not, it sounds like there's other teams. Scott's looking to exactly. go. Um, but, right. I mean, we, Clayton and I were talking about this before the show started. Uh, article Lee Spencer wrote on motorsport.com this week, looking at the financial pro- problem that could face Hendrick Motorsports coming up. I mean, if you're Tommy Baldwin, you're a one-car team struggling, you're buying your equipment from Childress, you're doing your best to massage it, you've got a very small group in the shop. Look at what Childress is getting re- or I mean, Hendrick's getting ready to lose. They're getting ready to lose four engines that go to Stuart Haas Racing. They're looking at four chassis, well, basically eight chassis, you know, a regular and a backup, so whatever chassis they order, plus the two H. Scott Motorsports cars may go away. That could be six engines, six chassis a week that mm-hmm. Hendrick Motorsports isn't getting income for. Correct. They could that's use huge. it to double their engineering onto their current stuff, but that's money. And if you want to go fast, the question is, how fast do you want to go? How much money do you have? And yep. sooner or later, as I, I mean, we'll talk about it later as well, NASCAR's in trouble, folks. And if oh, they yeah. don't get their heads out of their asses, we're not going to have NASCAR in 10 years. It'll be as relevant as IndyCar. Yeah, I'll tell you this. Or, or like the old car. Yeah, I think what the biggest problem was was with these charters is is the fact, and I think Tommy Baldwin tried to touch on this in his article, and I don't know if it came off as clear as it, and I hate to put words in his mouth, but this is what I think the biggest problem is in this sport, and maybe he doesn't agree, but uh, it's the fact that, like like we were talking about, we've talked about before, is it just takes so much with the, with the engineers, and it's just, it, the big teams have such a stranglehold right now that it takes so much to, to, to figure out how to make these cars turn in the corners uh, because the competition is so close. And these guys have been doing it. You know, look, look, you talk about it all the time, John, how old these owners are. These teams have been doing it. The big teams have been doing it for so, so long. Hendrick Motorsports started in the early 80s. Roush started in the late 80s. Penske started in the early 90s. Um, Joe Gibbs started in the early 90s. Now these teams, these big teams, you know, Children's have been around forever. Uh they start, they've been doing this for a long, long time, and they have everything that they need. They have all the notes, so much engineering support. They have all the money in the world to help pay for the engineering support that it, it's really – I think the competitive balance of the sport isn't going to go anywhere. Um, and it's interesting that we're seeing these teams now, these two teams that have two cars and maybe even three cars gain an extra car here. H. Scott Motorsports sounds like they're shutting down. Uh, I think they're going to sell their chassis personally to um, – the 77 team with, with Eric Jones next year. They're going to sell their charter, excuse me, to that team. Uh, so I think that's another team that's gone. Michael and that's going to maybe move to the Bush series. That's been talked about that. So um, it's just a sad state of affairs right now for, for this sport. And I think everybody thought that, that this uh, chartering system would be really, really good and kind of help uh, these teams get the extra money that they needed for engineering. But everybody's getting that engineering money. So getting that extra money now from the TV contract. So it kind of evens itself out here. And you can only beat your head against the wall for so long running 33rd before you get frustrated and say, you know what, I'm getting out. Um, 917-889-8280, guys, here on Talking in Circles, if you want to join the conversation here. Uh, a couple other new tidbits of news here. Um, the next one is Greg Biffle. Uh, Greg Biffle, number 16 car. Uh, he's been driving that car since 2003. You know, before that, I think if you ask people the trivia question, who drove the 16 car before Greg Biffle, 
you get a lot of blank stares. The answer to that question, by the way, Ted Musgrave. But after Ted Musgrave. So, uh, but because Biffle's been in that car for so long, and, and the Motorsport.com Lee Spencer came out this week, and sounds like Biffle is going to be out of the running. Uh, that 16 car next year. I think personally, this wasn't in the article, but I believe Chris Busch is going to move to the 16 car. They're going to, and Greg has a contract through next season. They want Greg to run the 34 car front row motorsports. Biffle sounds like he doesn't have any interest in that at all, guys. Um, he doesn't want to run the, run that car. He, he wants to be competitive, and you can't blame him. He's, he, this is a guy who's won a lot of races in his career, uh, 19, in fact. He's had a very good career. I think he's a very good driver, but there's a problem with Biffle, and it's his age. He's 46 years old, uh, and he hasn't won a race in a while now, and I think that's what's kind of making teams, if, if they want to move a driver out, they're kind of going, eh, he's 46 years old. But I feel bad for Biffle because I think the, the struggles he's had haven't exactly been um, his fault, John Harlow. I think they've been more of a of a of a tough tough situation out Ralph Fenway Racing. What are your thoughts on this Greg Biffle news? Well, I think Ralph Fenway Racing has struggled for a few years, and Matt Kenseth and Carl Edwards saw it coming, and that's part of why they jumped to Joe Gibbs Racing because they saw things that were where they were struggling. Ralph Fenway has been having big-time problems getting good sponsors. If you look, the last year Jeff Burton was in that 99 car, the first half of the year, it was a black car. There's a lot of times Ralph puts Ford on the 16 car, so it's sponsored. I think they had eight races from KFC, they had a few from Cheez-It, and Cheez-It now said they're pulling out. And then the rest of the season, it's been mostly Ford. They put the American Red Cross on once or twice. But it's a sponsorship issue. They're not getting the money coming in, so they're not buying the great engineering support that everybody else is getting. And it's just a struggle. And then not on top of that, you have Trevor Bain and Ricky Stenhouse as your teammates. They're young. They're growing in the sport, but they're wrecking a lot of cars. It's not like you're going in and tweaking. You're going and rebuilding a lot of cars every week because Bain and Stenhouse put a bunch of them in walls. And the one thing, as you were talking about the engineering and how much it's changed the sport, I'm looking at the Joe Gibbs Racing Facebook page right now because this is their 25th anniversary. It said 25 years ago we started with 18 employees. Now look at us. I can't get the whole team in the picture. That's how many people <laughs> are working at Joe Racing. And they right. started with 25 years ago and won the Daytona 500 in their second season. How crazy is what it's coming to? Yeah, and, and that's the biggest problem. You know, how does how do you expect somebody like Tommy Baldwin to compete with that? You know, that and, and how do you expect them to get the money and the finances to do that? Uh, and to 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 get eventually grow to that, and, and and not you know not have the other teams grow to grow even more. Uh, I think that's the biggest problem right now. Um, and and I can understand you know with how that team's been performing. You know we haven't seen growth from that team in a couple of years, Tommy Baldwin, and I understand the frustration from him. But back to the Biffle thing, uh, Ryan. What's your thoughts on this Biffle thing here? You know this guy who um, I don't think he's an after Hall of Famer, but you know, he's, I think he's a very respectful driver. I think he's had a lot of he's, – he's done a lot of good things in his career. Um, you know, yeah, he's a little bit older, and he started his career a little bit late. 
in in the Cup Series because he was older. He was on the West Coast. They found him in Washington. The old story goes, Benny Parsons kind of found him and told Jack Roush, you got to sign this guy. And two years in Trucks, he won a championship. Two years in Xfinity, he won a championship. Moved up the Cup, had a very good career. And I think he's a very good race car driver. But it looks like it could be the end of Greg Biffle. Yeah, I really feel I really feel bad for Greg. Like, like you said, he has a ton of stuff going against him right now. The equipment's not there, the sponsorship's not there, and his age is up there. And he's got to compete with all of these young guys coming in. Rouse has Ryan Reed, which let's let's face it, he did he is fully sponsored with that uh, with the Diabetes Foundation on his car. Rouse could easily use that money to help to help out. And he got Stenhouse who signed a multi year contract with Fastenal. So we know that sponsor staying, and that's a big name one. And he got Advocare staying with Trevor Bain next year. That's another huge sponsor that they got going for him. That's really all the money that they got going into the team right now. I mean, Ford's still there helping them, though, but they're getting they're getting Stuart Rice racing, you know, with four teams right there. And then you also have Penske over there who's been winning races and competing for championships when Rouse has been pushed by the wayside. They're in a world of hurt, too, just like NASCAR. And Biffle, you know, there's a lot of rumors that there was a big article that came out either last week or early this week him talking about how much longer will he race. He's not having fun. He's not winning races. He's not being competitive. What can he do about right. it? He's, like you said, 46 years old. No no there is going to sign him. And even if they did, what are they going to be able to give him? And he's not going to want to go back to the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series. But let's face it, maybe he, maybe he could choose to do that and revamp his career like some of the older guys like Todd Bodine have done and drivers like that going back but to the Truck has- Series. You really never know. But... The other thing about Biffle is I did read an article today where there's a rumors that he might be going to a second JTG Daltrey team. You know, that's something that I've not seen posted in very many pit places. And if that's the case mm-hmm. right there, obviously no charter in that case, or maybe a deal can be worked out. But JTG, they got a ton of sponsors on that team. They have tons of connections. I, I really don't see a big, a big deal about Biffle going over there with sponsorship from some of the teams that they have sponsors from. Yeah, he was very close last year, two years ago, when he's re-signed this contract with Rash Fenway to signing a contract at Michael Waltrip Racing in that 55 car, uh, or third car there, excuse me, at Michael Waltrip Racing, and it never materialized. Whatever reason, they couldn't get the funding to do it, and he had to go back and re-sign at Rash Fenway. I've heard from a lot of people, he's not thrilled to be at Rash Fenway right now. That team's struggled. They've been struggling. And here's the thing, I think, with Rash Fenway, that I think a lot of people haven't taken in consideration with them. Five, ten years ago when they were on top of their game, they were the only one of the only ones with their engine program where they went out and they had Robert Yates horsepower, which I call Robert Yates horsepower. It's Doug Yates horsepower now, excuse me. Uh, they had Doug Yates horsepower, who is a genius in engines. That Those engines, you know, Robert Yates, how he basically taught his ways to his son Doug, um, those engines have been winning races in cups since the 1960s. And they're still winning races and still very on top of their game. Uh, and I think that was something Rash had an advantage over every other team because they had this horsepower better than any other team. Now they brought in Tensky, uh, who's obviously was a better team at Dodge because they won a championship before they moved to Ford, and then they got better engines. And now they're going to bring in Stuart Haas Racing. Roush is dropping below the pecking order here now, it looks like, at Ford. They still have the engines, and that's a huge thing because Roush's name is still tied to the engines. It's Roush Yates engines, and they still make them, and they still have them, which is huge. But it just seems like the engineering part of this sport right now for the Roush Fenway, they had a little bit of a gain early in the middle part of the year, early part of the year. They seemed like things were on point, and everything seemed to be good. They've been struggling really since about July. They've really, really struggled. Haven't seen the same team 
Ben House hasn't been nearly as good. Remember, there was a time where it looked like Trevor Bain was going to make this chase. He didn't do it, uh, obviously. So, um, you know, it's just it's kind of sad, John. Is this do you, John? Do you think this is the beginning of the end for Roush Fenway Racing as we know it, or do you think we can see them kind of pick it up a little bit here uh, and, and kind of rebound to where they used to be? I mean, this team hasn't won a race and got, since Carl Edwards has been there, um, so it's been a long time. And you know, do you think we'll see him visit Victory Lane again on a non-plate track? I don't think so. I think the beginning of the end of Roush Fenway Racing was when Matt Kenseth left. And again, if you look, Kenseth last season at Roush Fenway, DeWalt left, went to Marcus Ambrose, and Kenseth, they were trying to find a sponsor every week for him. Roush, and, Roush is not doing a great job of getting sponsorship. And Steve Mark isn't doing a great job getting out there and schmoozing with the people who have the money. His backer is John Henry, who owns the Red Sox, owns Liverpool soccer team. He's a financial he's a financial guy. John Henry doesn't mm-hmm. care as long as there's money coming in. Correct. The money's not coming in very much anymore. I don't think John Henry really cares. I don't know how much he's writing a check to Jack Roush anymore. I think he gave him cash infusion at one point. Put my name, put my uh, Fenway Motors, uh, Fenway Sports Group as a part. You'll get him again. I don't think that next cash flow is coming. I see, and plus, Jack is in his seventies. Jack's already crashed a plane a couple times. Jack's already cheated death a couple times. It may come to the point where Jack just says, "Okay, I'm going back to Michigan, and I'm going to relax. I'm going to build Mustangs, and we'll sell them for fun, and that's what I'm going to do." See the Stuart Haas move forward as the precursor of Ralph Fenley going away. It's interesting. I mean, that whole Stuart Haas thing. It's interesting, and that's why I feel bad for Greg Biffle because this is a guy who, you know, he had some really good years there. He was a, he was a, a perennial chase contender year in and year out, and he's a guy who, you know, these last four years, he's stuck it out. You know, Carl Evans was able to go out and get a better ride at Joe Gibbs Racing. So was Matt Kenta. Uh But he, was, he had to stick it out, and, you know, I think he gave his heart to this organization. I think he gave his heart and soul to the team. They tried really hard. They brought in Brian Patty from Michael Walter Bracing, which I didn't think was a bad move because, you know, Michael Walter Bracing was a team that actually ran pretty good for a while, and Brian Patty was there the, uh, for a majority of the time with Clint Border winning a lot of races. So he should know the engineering parts of that team, and they still have struggled. So you have to wonder where this goes. I think their young drivers are pretty good. I think if Stenhouse went out and got one somewhere else, I think he can win some races. I think Bush is a really good young driver. I think Trevor Bain's an okay driver. Um, I don't think that's that's a problem. I think Jack's eye for talent has still been very, very good. Um, I just hope, you know, as a Ford fan and somebody who grew up watching Roush Fenway win a lot of races and, and, and do very good, I just hope for them that this lower downforce package puts a little bit more emphasis on the driver, and they have some good young talent over there, and that, that gets them to where they need to be. But, uh, yeah, a, a very... You know, unfortunate situation for Greg Biffle there, um, over there at Rash Fenway Racing. Okay, guys, another art, another piece of news here came out this weekend. It was really it broke Monday. Um, Steve O'Donnell was on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio this week, uh, like his this was weekly spot, and that's when it really came up that it sounds like NASCAR is going to put a limit on. Ex- Cup drivers in the Xfinity series, most likely Kyle Busch. You know, Kyle Busch has won 82 races in Xfinity. He's completely dominated the series. Um, you know, 
this is something that we talked about on at nauseum on this show numerous times, and it sounds like NASCAR's going to do that for 2017. Ryan, real quick, what are your thoughts uh, on this whole Xfinity uh, Cup drivers in the Xfinity series for 2017? Do you think it's good that, that they outlaw it or eliminate it a little bit? Well, I'm on, I'm on both sides of it, though. The, uh, when you look at the history of the now Xfinity series back in the day, the Bush Grand National Series, the Cup drivers have always come in and dominated. Harry Gant used to do it. Dale Earnhardt used to do it. Darrell Waltrip used to do it. That was back in the Sportsman Series days before it eventually became the Bush Grand National Series. And then you look at Kevin Harvick came back back in the uh, early 2000s, around 2006, and moved back out there and won another championship while driving full-time in the Cup Series at the same time for Richard Childress. You got Edwards going back and doing the same thing. Brad Keselowski did. Kyle Busch did the same thing. Clint Boyer did the same thing. It's, the history of the series has been them bringing in the sponsors and sending the money to the series. So to completely cut them out or even limit them would, would not be the, the best move, in my opinion, to do. But I do wish they would get rid of them out of the chase races. That's the thing that really bugs me is that Kyle Busch went out there, dominated the race at Kansas, and won. And here we are, not even talking about not even talking about the chase, but they weren't even uh, the chase winners were not even really really a factor in that race. Maybe Eric Eric Jones is the only one that that's, that was really a little bit of a factor in that race. And it's like, come on, man, this series has lost its identity. There is no identity no more. And if we can find a way to get rid of the cup drivers from the majority of the races, they'll have an identity again. But the problem with that is it brings away some of the money. It brings away some of the viewership, too, of people who watch it and people who go see the race. Right now, they got a lot of companion races. And those companion races, the only people that show up for them are people that are camping there at the, at the racetrack. If you bring, take away the majority of those companion races and go back to racing a lot more local short tracks, it doesn't have to necessarily be like South Boston or anything like that. But, but go have more mm-hmm. standalone races at racetracks that can accommodate them. I think you'll see a lot of the viewership going up, and you'll see less cup drivers in them. That's what I think they need yeah. to do before they consider limit, limiting them. Yeah, and Ryan, thank you so much for joining the show tonight. It was great to have you on and get your opinions. Um, I understand this point, and I wrote an article about this on RacingInCircles.com. I put it up on our Twitter and Facebook page um, about it. I, I understand the point of wanting to limit uh, the standalone companion uh, events and have more standalone events. I understand that completely. But my point to that is these racetrack owners, ISC and SMI, will never let that happen because they want the campers' money, they want the camping money, and they want to have three days of action. They want to have cup qualifying on Friday, Xfinity race on Saturday, and a cup race on Sunday. They want to make the profit for three days. That you will never see that happen. And so realist, and we have to come to grips with that. Again, I would love to see them do that. I would, I would, I think it would be the easiest six. I would love to see, you know, maybe run Darlington twice in the Xfinity Series, run a race, a night race in the Xfinity Series at Martinsville in 2017 with lights. I would love to see that. But John, we have to come to grips. We're never going to see that. These track owners will never let that happen. Well, the one thing I gotta agree with. A little bit is yeah. Earnhardt used to come down and dominate when he ran. Darrell Waltrip used to dominate when they ran. The thing is, when they did that, Dale Earnhardt wasn't running for Richard Childress Racing and had the full support of the RCR organization. Dale Earnhardt ran out of the garage in the backyard. For him and a few buddies, worked on the car during the week, and that's when they ran Saturdays. Same thing with Darrell. Same thing with Mark Martin. Mark wasn't running Fen- uh, Roush equipment at the beginning. He was running stuff from Bill Davis that right. they were working on to sort of help Bill put a team together. 
Harry Gantt was doing the same thing. He wasn't running the Andy Petrie, Leo Jackson stuff. He was running his own stuff in the Xfinity series or back then the uh, Bush series. It just, the only way I see it working, and yeah, I know they want to do the companion races, but as they said, I was listening to Moody this week. I've never heard anybody say, well, I'm not going to watch the Xfinity race because Kyle Busch isn't in it. I think when the cup drivers aren't in it, it makes for better racing. It gives these guys a chance to grow and show what they are because we're coming to the point again where we're about ready to halfway turn over the field when it comes to retirements. We're losing Stewart. We're going to lose Johnson in a few years. We're going to lose. We just lost Harvick. Gordon last year. We're we're going to lose Harvick in five years or so. Biffle's mm-hmm. getting ready to go. Kenseth. I mean, Kenseth. Kurt Busch is all, is pushing forty. I mean, they're getting yep. up there, and they've made enough money that they don't have to race to their in their fifties because Correct. they are comfortable now. They can sit back, relax, yep. raise their kids, and enjoy life. That's what You're the right. problem totally right I can see as a solution. If NASCAR wants the cup drivers in, Kyle Busch, congratulations. Yeah, you're a Toyota. Go drive for Robbie Benton or go drive for somebody else. And make sure that there is no technical support going back and forth. It's not like Kyle Busch can pull his Joe Gibbs crew down and pit the car. They have to have their own independent team. How's NASCAR going to police that? I don't know. But that's the only way I can see it. If you're going to be a cup guy and you're going to run in this series, drive a piece of crap. Help build a team up. Don't go for the monster team for all you're doing is winning and everything. Try to go and help out. I, I, listen, I, understand, I, t- t- I think I'd be harder to do to police than anything, honestly. Um, you know, and that's the thing. How do you police that? How do you police any – I just – to me, it'd be really hard to police. And again, these, some of these engines, these big teams get, or these teams get, are mostly for the big teams. You know, Rash Fenway, Rash shapes his engines to the four teams in the Xfinity. Joe Gibbs Racing gives engines to the Toyota teams in the Xfinity series, and so on and so forth. And I just think it's going to hurt the product of the series even more than we see now. But we have a caller right now. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Lee from Virginia. Lee, what do you want to talk about tonight? I was going to talk about, chime in here about what you guys were talking about, the Cup Drivers in the Xfinity series. Um, you know, I understand that, you know, with Donald's comments, I think what they were pertaining to is really just affecting the chase races next year and the Xfinity uh, Cup drivers not running the Xfinity cars. And listen, I think the the old excuse of what we saw 20 years ago, even 15 years ago of, you know, these, we need these Cup drivers to sell tickets and for these Xfinity races and these truck races, um, that's all BS now. I think it's a bunch of garbage. I don't think you need them. I think you know NASCAR Race Hub did a poll on Monday, right before right before the summer, right after the simulcast with Dave Moody, right before it. Uh, you know, hundred percent of the fan base that did the poll wanted the Sprint Cup drivers completely eliminated from the NASCAR Xfinity Series. That says something about your paying customer, and they want them out. And it's time. Listen, it's 2016. A lot has changed. There's no way that they can police Cup teams from being in there. There's no way they can police Cup crews from going over there and pitting the team, there's no way they can police any of that. The only thing you can do is is get these drivers completely out of there and make it a series of full-time Xfinity Series drivers. And if you have five wins or five wins in the Cup Series or more, you're not allowed to run one single NASCAR Xfinity Series race. And I think that's the only option that they have. 
917-889-8280 if you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles, because it is a hot topic, no doubt. It's going to be serious to me. Uh, you know, it's been hard to watch sometimes. When Kyle Busch is in that race, you just know who's going to win. Uh, unless something crazy goes on, you know he's going to you know he's going to win and run in the top five. And that's the thing. I think Rick Mass, I believe it was Rick Mass, who I I we've I uh, retweeted on Twitter and said, you know, 20 years ago it was different because my stuff was very similar to what Earnhardt and Ernie Irvin and those guys ran in the Bush series when they came down and ran against me. That's not the case anymore. You know, and I this is how I feel. And we're running on the same tire, bump stops now, which they run on the Cup Series. Uh, the Joe Gibbs Racing can bring their engineers down and help out and give some information. You can bring your pit crews down. And that is all an advantage in itself, let alone having the, one of the top-notch drivers in, the, in, in all the NASCAR come down and run in this series. Yeah, when Mark Martin did, Mark Martin had a lot of success. But Mark Martin... Again, I think a lot of people looked at it and said, well, we can kind of compete. They didn't do it every week because there was a lot more non-companion events back then. You know, they ran Myrtle Beach back then. They ran uh, South Boston. They ran Volusia County down in Florida. They don't do that anymore. And, again, they can't do that anymore because these owners, these track owners would never, ever let that happen. And that's, that, to me, John, is the biggest issue. And, again, I, I don't think we can hit – if we tell these teams, though, you can't have any cup affiliation at all, uh, I don't, you know, I would love to see that because I think part of the, another part of this sport that's been overlooked that I think is a problem are development deals. You know, for these smaller teams. You know, for example, Tommy Baldwin. If Tommy Baldwin wanted to go out and get um, Eric Jones or or somebody huge like that to run for his team, they're gonna. <laughs> I got a development deal at Joe Gibbs Racing. I know in two or three years I'm gonna be up at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, so that's impossible for him to get it. He's got no shot at it. Um, part of it. So I'd like to see that, John. I just think it would be very, very hard to police. I don't think – I think part of – the other part that really ruined it was Kyle Busch and Victory Lane flat out saying, I wanted to win this to keep the chase drivers from having a chance to win because he knew that Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez were up close. <clears throat> he didn't want a chance of any other chase driver, Xfinity chase driver, having a chance to win. And, also, and that John, just sucks. John, if you saw the move that, that Kyle Larson pulled, and listen, I'm, the biggest Kyle Lar- I'm one of the bigger Kyle Larson fans out here. You saw the move Kyle Larson pulled on Saturday. He didn't have any remorse at all for what he did to <laughs> Eric Jones and, and, and Ty Dillon. I mean, he gets, out of, he gets out of that car on pit road, and him and Joey Logano are laughing about it. And, like, you could have cost Eric Jones a chase. And – the first thing he should have did was get out of his car and run over and say, you know what, Eric, I'm sorry for ruining your race. No, him and Magana are having a joke about it. They don't even feel remorseful for it, that they're ruining this series and that they're nearly ruining these guys to chase. So, you know, it's time. It's time that these guys are going to have that kind of attitude about it, get them out of there. Part of it is, too, that they haven't – a lot of these drivers, I'm not going to say pick out which one, but some of these drivers, like we've seen um, – you know, deals where, hey, two years he's going to be in the Cup Series. Hey, three years he'll be in the Cup Series. Hey, next year he's going to be in the Cup Series. So they don't have to worry about winning races and winning championships and doing all that kind of stuff because they are going to the Cup Series. Where some of these guys, even if, if it wasn't Eric Jones, if it was somebody that, you know, you took out Ryan C, who this is his life. This is what he does for a living. This is his career. And, you know, if you take him out in an Xfinity race and you're kind of laughing about it, going, eh, who cares? You know, it's Ryan C. Ryan Seek cares, and, and Ryan Seek fans care, and that's his, that's exactly my point. You know, I agree, Lee. I totally agree. I think 
the fact that they're laughing about it and kind of making a mockery of the series is a bad thing. But I think at the end of the day, they understand. They feel like they sell tickets and people watched it on TV about that, about them being in, in the series. And listen, I'll say this much. I don't know if you guys saw the race at Kansas. Uh, there was nobody there at Kansas. And that, that, you can say that about the Xfinity series all year. I just feel like the point that they're selling tickets is ridiculous. Now, whether Xfinity wants them in, that's a whole other thing because they sponsor the series. And that could be why Xfinity says, you know what, we want them in the series. But I truly believe if you give this series an identity, I think it could thrive. I think it would be very good for the series um, and get these cup guys out. I think the only way it gets an identity is to get these cup guys out. Lee, is there anything I was in New Hampshire three weeks ago. Hold on. Go ahead, John. I was in New Hampshire three weeks ago. And it was the perfect day, sunny, 70 degrees. It was a truck race that was with it. There was about 10,000 people there for the truck race. But there was only about 45,000, 50,000 there for the cup race, and there's 85,000 seats at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. The attendance problems are across the board. And yeah. I think we're seeing the problem. I talked about it in my article on uh, speedwaymedia.com this week. Take a look at it. There's five reasons I have why NASCAR is in big, big trouble. For sure. And, uh, you know, I think when you look at what the series, what NASCAR has done, uh, there's been a lot of things that, that have been kind of sketchy. But I think uh, the Xfinity Series, getting these cup guys out of the Xfinity Series would be a huge step in the right direction. Lee, anything else you want to touch on before we let you go? I think it's going to be an interesting race at Talladega. It's going to be interesting to see how these guys um, approach it, especially the guys in the chase. Um, and I just I think NASCAR is making a huge mistake next year, moving this race to the second of the of, uh, second race of the round, because next year you're just going to see these guys ride around and ride single file. Um, you're going to see a big emphasis on the race this week. I thought John made good points where there's a lot of guys out there running for their lives right now. Um, and with this chartering system, I think it's more premium for these guys to go out there and perform, for these guys to go out there and do well. Another team that nobody mentioned is Richard Petty Motorsports. I'm hearing that, you know, Smithfield Foods is not entirely thrilled with how that team's running, and you can't blame them. Um, you know, Eric Amarola and Brian Scott need to go out there and have good days. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of these guys, these guys in the back to the usual back markers, re- and, and really, really pushing it this week because they want to get their sponsors' exposure and they want to go up there and be able to show that they can, if they can't win, they can at least run in the top five. So you're going to see a crazy race on Sunday. And I just hope that moving that race next year in 2017 doesn't hurt that. For sure. I hope so, too, Lee. I agree with you. And thanks so much for the call here. Uh, we're going to lose our live audience here in about mm, 37 seconds. So if you want to listen to the rest of the show here on Talking in Circles, go to our, our Facebook page. SpeedwayMedia.com will have a link to our uh, page as well, and you can go to our Twitter page. We'll retweet the show as well there. Um, John, you know, what are your five points? You know, you talked about the five points. Before we, we end this show here, I want to know what your five points are uh, of NASCAR's problem here uh, going forward. Well, first of all is trying to dig it up because uh, – since I wrote it, but one of the things you're running into, the owners are old. The only one who's considered an owner, even though he's an owner in name, not in dollar signs, 
that's under 50 is Tony Stewart of the big-name owners. Joe Gibbs is in his 70s. Jack Roush in his 70s. Roger Penske in his 70s. Richard Petty in his 70s. Now, Richard is financed by uh, Medallion Sports Group, an investment banking group who is going to provide the money that he needs because they wanted to get into the sport. That's the big. That's the first point right there. The guys who are uh, owners right now are in their 60s and 70s, and sooner or later the racers are gone because racers don't have the money that they it used to be to drive. I mean, to build up a business. He has money out the gazoo because Roger Penske's a self-made billionaire, but now it's not there anymore for everybody else to come into the into the fold. You can't build a, a team up like you did with Rick Hendrick where he came in with one car and built it and built it and grew it and grew it. Look what Tommy Baldwin tried to do. Tommy Baldwin tried to be Rick Hendrick 30 years ago, and it just can't happen with the way the sport's set up now. Uh, the other one, another problem is money. It costs so damn much to do this. The seats are empty. You don't have the crew, the people there that you hope to have. I mean, you don't have the um, people in the seats. And because of the way the TV contract is, Fox Sports is trying to build a second network in Fox Sports 1. They're putting a lot of the races there. People are having to find them. I don't even know where Fox Sports 1 or NBC Sports Network are on my cable. I have to hit guide and search every time. There's a lot of people that, if they have to hit search, they don't bother. The other one they're looking at, title sponsor issues. Brad James had at USA Today basically painting a bleak picture that the sponsor is probably going to pay less than Sprint is right now. And Sprint cut it from $75 million a year to $50 million a year. They're looking possibly $40 million a year for what uh, they may get next year. Gail Jr., his sponsorship package is $30 million for one car. And NASCAR is keeping all the money in-house. If you look at the money from the TV deal and the sponsorship deal, it, it doesn't make good business sense to be in this sport because if you look at the way the day the way it's set up, you're spending thirty million dollars to win twelve million dollars at the end of the year. And finally, the last one is who's willing to speak the truth? I don't know if anybody's actually talking to them in NASCAR. When you listen to the sports talk, I mean the racing hosts on Sirius XM, their paycheck comes from. Motor Racing Network or Performance Racing Network. Those two networks are owned by International Speedway Corporation, which is the France Family Racing Tracks, or Speedway Motorsports, which is Bruton Smith's group. They're in the sport. Their job is to follow the party line. Who's going to tell the truth? I don't see it. And in the garage, who's going to speak up? Because Tony Stewart flat out said, I'm tired of doing it. Nobody else is. If you looked at my phone and looked at the group text that we have going around, I'll talk to them until I'm blue in the face. But I'm tired of it because nothing has changed. Who's going to speak up? Is it going to be Keselowski? Is it going to be Denny Hamlin? Who knows? And if nobody does it, it's going to be a mess. 
the charter system hasn't really worked out because now you've already got two teams possibly going away, three teams possibly going away between the H. Scott Motorsports two teams and the um, Tommy Baldwin Racing team. These are back marker teams that are going to go away because they can't afford to play with the big boys. If they keep it up, we're going to have half empty seats with 32 cars owned by eight guys, and we'll see how it goes. I think the owners are okay with that. I really do. Um, because they're the ones ultimately making the money at the end of the day. John, great, great. Yeah, it's true. You're right. Um, John, great stuff as always. You know, you rock it again. Um, it's going to be a fun weekend at Talladega. I think Lee hit something on the head. I'm going to hate to see this race as second race of this round instead of the third race of this round because I think everybody's going to be really conservative because Kansas will be on our horizon and they're going to say, well, you can still win at Kansas. Um, so, yeah, I think having this, moving this race to the second race of the round is going to hurt the excitement of this race because everybody's going to try. If you're not Jimmy Johnson or, uh, you know, um, Kevin Harvick, you're going to want to win this race. So there's no strategy other than not to win it. Again, great stuff tonight. As always, uh, go to speedwaymedia.com if you want to read more from John's stuff. You can also click to our site link there on Talking in Circles. And we'll be back here next week after Talladega here on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.